And we are here, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, moms and dads. Uh, you are watching Living on a Thin Line with Tony Visick. I am Tony Visick. We come to you every day at 2 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, uh, Arizona time, because right now Arizona is on Pacific time. Now you don't know what time it is where you are. Uh, we start out the show confusing our audience and hope things get better from there. Um, we come to you every day uh, at this time. And we are your daily distraction for all the anger, anxiety, weirdness, and hoopla going on in the world today. Um, the show is built around three things. It is built around questions and comments from you, the audience, um, that we try to comment back on or uh, answer the questions. Use some knickknack or showing you some knickknack or curiosity or curio or memorabilia or autograph we have laying around here in the home office and try to weave a story around it. And commending, built around me, recommending uh, two albums or two pieces of music or two artists based on my vast and mighty vinyl album collection. Uh, hello, Champ de Blasio. Hello, Tina and Mike Lawson. It is Wednesday, August 12th, the year of our Lord, 2020, uh, where uh, if things were any bigger a mess, man, it'd be a big old skillet of hash browns. I've seen, you know what, I have made, I've seen drunks make breakfast that have not been a bigger mess than things are in this country right now. But somehow, somehow, and this is the point I keep trying to get across, somehow, people find a ways to not only survive and thrive, people find a ways to survive and thrive. And that's one of the reasons we do this show, and it's one of the reasons that we hope that you're watching, because we're all learning how to survive and thrive. A um, couple of things to tell you about, get the uh, commercials I hate commercials. I was that always, uh, you know, one time television was free. It was free. There were, oh, there were only three channels. Usually most cities had five channels. They had NBC, CBS, ABC. Uh, they had uh, whatever the local station was, and then they had public television. So you had about five. Sometime a weird UHF channel nobody watched. Um, and it was free. The trade-off was every 10 or 15 minutes, the show would pause and a commercial would play one minute or two minutes of commercial selling you cars or coffee or alcohol or cigarettes or uh, a lot of uh, uh, beer and cigarettes. Uh, beer and cigarettes made this nation. <laughs> That's where the money was spent. And that was the trade-off. You got free television, but it was interrupted. And people go, I hate commercials. I just hate them. And then with the age of fast-forwarding, people were able to fast-forward through commercials. I just fast-forward them. I go, well, that is what pays for all of this. All of that is what pays for all of this because you're not paying for it. But then they came up with a great idea to help us. Yes, to help us. They came up with cable television. Now, cable television had always been around. It was primarily used to go to rural communities where there was not a strong signal. Hmm. But they began to expand it. In the early, early 80s, uh, I lived in a place where we paid three bucks a month for cable. I think I was uh, seeing someone in the San Fernando Valley, maybe paid a little more, and there was something called the Z Channel, which ran movies. And the whole thing was the movies were uncensored and uninterrupted. That was the other problem with television, is that movies were censored. And moving from, especially from the 60s on, many movies, some of the best movies, the greatest movies, contained content that could not be played over the airwaves but could be played over cable. The Godfather in its entirety could not be played over the airwaves, but could be played on cable. Uh, a movie like Boogie Nights could not be played over the airwaves, but could be played on cable. 
Then there came along all the subscription uh, things like HBO and Showtime. First it was HBO, then it was Showtime. Maybe it was Showtime first. Showtime used to have just this uh, exercise channel. It was an aerobic, uh, the show. It was an aerobic show, okay? And it was a girl with dark hair and like a red sort of leotard swimsuit barefooted on a, uh, uh, on a floor that was actually glass, could be seen through, and it was her doing aerobic videos. It was called aerobicize. And I guarantee you that no one watched that and then exercised. But uh, Showtime also had the first all-nude uh, soap opera uh, where they had a, a full frontal nudity of men and women on a soap opera, uh, which starred, by the way, a guy named Jack Wagner, um, who I knew because he was a, a doorman at a bar where I worked at. So things have now gotten out of hand when you're paying sometimes $120 a month to watch television, much of which still has commercials. And that's how they get you. It's the same thing they did with your pensions. You see, well, you were way back in the 70s someplace. Way back in the 70s, this idea started taking root in the mind of the public. Well, you know, the taxes are too high, like on rich people. It ain't fair that rich people are paying the taxes they pay. You know, because what if you get rich? Do you have to pay them taxes What someday? Don't you think you're smart enough to be a millionaire? Well, yes, I do, Fred. Well, you know what? If you become a millionaire the way the taxes are, you won't be a millionaire. Huh. They'll take all your money. You'll be poor still. Well, that ain't right. We need to lower them taxes for the days that we become millionaires. Uh, Paul Whitney says ESPN used to have an exercise show on a beach in the morning. There, Paul. There, you're revealing a little bit about yourself. Uh, so they began lowering taxes on the rich people and lowering taxes on the rich people. Okay, while they were doing that, all businesses took hold of an idea, of a thought. And that idea or thought was, there's only one thing we can really control. Can't control if I've got a restaurant and they come in and go, this is the price of bread. I can't go, I'm not buying bread because the price of bread was pretty much the same no matter who you were buying it from. Hamburger patties, liquor, alcohol. What can you control? Employee costs. So the war on inflation began. We're going to fight inflation by fighting rising. Instead of fighting rising prices, we will fight rising salaries. So as taxes went lower on the rich, okay, the wages on the rest of us barely went up. Barely went up. And oddly enough, things that used to be free, you now pay for. You used to get a pension. You worked someplace, you got a pension. The union made sure working people had a pension. Well, after a while, businesses went, you know what, it'd be better instead of uh, uh, having to have this union pension where you're paying into the union and stuff. How about if we offer you uh, a pension plan and we're going to call it a 401k and we're going to match it. For every $100 you put in, we're going to put in $100. That's going to give you, if you do that a month, you get $200 a month. That's $2,400 a year. You only put in $1,200. You'll be doubling your money every year. Don't bring a union into this office. Matter of fact, let's kick this union out of all these factories. Let's kick this union out of these organizations. Because we're going to give you a 401k and we're going to match it. And boy, people like that idea. And they would try to unionize certain industries or certain jobs. They go, well, we don't, you're just going to cause us problems. We already got a 401k and uh, we get overtime. You got overtime because it was a law saying that if you worked overtime, you got paid overtime and that law was pushed through by unions. All right, but that's a different story. 
But after a while, after a while, they started messing with that 401k, didn't they? Some of you were shocked to hear that there used to be matching funds from your employer into your 401k, fifth, uh, fifth, you know, one for one. Every dollar you put in, they put in a dollar. Then they change it for every dollar you put in, they put in 50 cents. For every dollar you put in, they put in a quarter. Then they put in nothing. And the 401k was only funded by you. Not only that, they started making rules like part of your 401k had to be in company stock. So all they were doing was giving you stock in the company, which already had, didn't cost them shit. Then there was rules about when you could cash in that stock. And now you got a crappy pension. And that all leads to, this is a free show, so I'm going to do a commercial. <laughs> and here's what the commercial's for, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, two big things for you to know about right now, uh, today, uh, that has to do with us this week. Thursday night is class two of our beginning stand-up comedy workshop. I'm going to allow anybody watching the show right now or anybody that you tell that they can uh, join in free Thursday night. Thursday night will be free for anybody who wants to check it out. All you have to do is uh, write me, Tony Visit at Comedy Schools at Hotmail.com or call my phone number, 818-571-5653. It is class two. Okay, I will allow you to check it out for free. And then if you want to sign up, we will do a one-on-one with you, get you caught up on what you missed, and you'll move forward. So we got that going on. Then Friday night is going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be, a, you know what? It'll be more fun than this red hat. Okay? And by the way, this ain't a MAGA hat. I think this is my nephew, uh, uh, my nephew Evans um, uh, from his Little League team. Somehow I ended up with his hat. Uh, hello, Kevin Brown. Hello, Randy. Hello, everyone. Um, Friday night, 7 p.m., Arizona time. It's the roast of Tony Visick. There are posters and flyers flying all over the internet. If you want to see a fun show, if you want to see a funny show, if you want to see something that's definitely a good pay-per-view, because it is a pay-per-view show, all right, check out the roast of Tony Visick this Friday night. Some of my uh, closest friends in the uh, 602-480-520 area codes are going to roast me and say horrible things about me that I get to say horrible things back. And you'll get to witness this show live in your own home. It's easy to purchase tickets. Just go to ComedySchools.com and click Get Tickets right at the top of the page. So if you want to see a great show, uh, you want to talk about safe social distancing, you don't have to leave your house to hear some of the best comedy that will be over the airwaves are live in the year 2020. Go to ComedySchools.com. Um, after we ended the broadcast, was it yesterday? I don't remember now, but uh, I do know that um, we found out that uh, Kamala Harris has been uh, uh, picked by Joe Biden. Oh, yeah, we, we did talk about this yesterday. And, of course, um, the attacks already began from the left and the right. First off, if you're on the left, I don't care how far left you are, okay? If you're on the left and you're attacking Joe Biden... You're going to deserve what you get, which is nothing or worse, less than zero. You know, politics is two things. It is the art of the compromise and it is the art of the possible. What can be done? Many of you today, especially people on the left, especially people who are impoverished. And by the way, there's wealthy people on the left. But for those who are impoverished, in states like Arizona and California, 
you have health insurance today because we elected Barack Obama and a Democratic House and a Democratic Senate. That's why you have it. Social Security hasn't been gutted yet because we did not have a Republican president and a Republican Senate and a Republican House except for a short period of time. If you really want to see forward progress in this country in the world of social justice, if you really want to see forward progress in this country in the world of economic justice, then you have no choice than to vote for Joe Biden and Kamala Harris. You have no choice. I have a lot of great friends that are Republicans. I'm going to tell you a little something right now. There is a man that's running for mayor in this city where I reside, Maricopa, a city of 60,000 people, right by Phoenix, Arizona, but we're our own city uh, with our own uh, mayor and city council. The man who is the mayor is a Republican, and I'm going to vote for him because he does not run this city based on political ideology, or he does not, he does not uh, uh, use his position as mayor for political ideology, but what's best for this city because what this city right needs right now are roads, hospitals, education, uh, a, a climate that uh, uh, wants uh, business and industry to locate here. So it needs jobs, okay? It needs affordable housing, okay? It needs those things. And that's what that guy does, and that's why I'm going to vote for him. So this is not a knock on my Republican friends, of who there are many. But for my friends on the left, my friends on the left, if you're going to vote third party, if you're going to not vote, if you're going to protest vote, you are voting against your own best interest. And believe me, there's an entire industry in this country, an entire political marketing, advertising, messaging uh, industry in this country designed to get you to vote against your own best interests. It truly is. You know who votes against their, vote, their own best interests? Uh, multi-millionaires who actually vote Democratic and vote vote for Democratic candidates who know that there may be possibly a, a a raise in their taxes, they vote against their own best interest because their best interests have been totally served. But if you're struggling, if you're part of the working class, if you're young, okay, if you're part of the economically deprived, if you're a person of color. If you are a newly arrived immigrant who's now voting for the first time, you can vote against your own best interest. And uh, I wasn't even planning on talking about this, but uh, uh, I just thought I'd talk about it. And I, I just revealed something about myself. I will be voting for a Republican for mayor in this city. I will be voting for a, uh, by the way, they run nonpartisan in this city. And that's what's cool. And what I loved about this city for a long time is that almost everyone who was involved in local politics at the, uh, at the elected level pretty much kept it nonpartisan. Sadly, 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 that is changing somewhat. And some of our, uh, some of our fellow citizens who are on city councils here um, uh, and other uh, positions have become uh, more strident in their partisanship, in their partisanship. So uh, anyway, um, there you go. I did an advertisement. I gave you a little history of, uh, of uh, why, uh, uh, why maybe media was better or at least more affordable back then. I mean, we do have free stuff, you know? You get Facebook for free. A lot of you are watching me on Facebook. Okay, you can get uh, 
YouTube for free. Although you notice they start doing this stuff like a YouTube. Try YouTube Premium. I guarantee you within 10 years, you will have to pay for YouTube. Once they have enough people paying for it, that it is a uh, uh, ongoing profitable business in that way, you will have, once YouTube becomes as indispensable as a television in your home, you will have to pay for YouTube. Because it's all, but you know what? You know what? You know who the most pure and successful capitalist in the history of the world are? Does anybody know? Paul Lynch? Do you know who the most successful capitalists in the history of the world are? Charles Kaminsky? Do you know who they are? Garvey Biggers? Do you know who they are? Kevin Brown? Randy Ioma? Anybody? Diane? Teen and Mike? Champ? Anybody? Do you know what the role model is? If you want to see capitalism at its finest, Drug dealers, drug dealers, huge profit, almost, yeah, huge profit, okay? It's got a steady supply of loyal customers, and it's attractive. And if you want to see how capitalism works, look at what drug dealers do. And by the way, if you want to know how much money there is in drugs, people risk their lives just selling it. People risk their lives and their freedom just transporting it because the rewards are so great. Think what the markup is on that shit. Some plants harvest it and then they pour gas on them or some ether. I don't know. Weird shit. Um, but, uh, but how do they always start you out? Hey, why don't you just try it for free? Hey, it's cheap. Nothing to it, you know? Hey, I'm going to give you a free bump. Uh, legal drug dealers. Legal drug dealers, there's a lot of money there. I think there's more money in... Uh, in the cocaine and in the heroin, cocaine and heroin, and legal drug dealers. You know, they get you hooked. They get you in. They get you in. And, of course, at first it's cheap, easy, free, fun, and then you're hooked, and then you can't get off, and then it costs you every penny that you have. All right? And that's why there always has to be regulations on capitalism. Hey, um, man. That was a mouthful. You know what happened was I don't have a uh, I, I don't have a um, uh, I don't have I don't have a bobblehead. I don't have a bobblehead to show you. Okay, I've used up all my bobbleheads. I am out of new bobbleheads. That's right, even bobbleheads. That's right. I'm uh, I'm, uh, but I rescue bobbleheads. So I don't have a new one to show you. I got plenty of bobbleheads. Uh, you would think that some of the uh, guys playing baseball right now must be a bunch of damn bobbleheads with the risks they're taking with COVID out there and actually uh, making it so their teams can't even play. I've been a fan of the St. Louis Cardinals. What a great baseball organization uh, since the day I was born. Okay, it's uh, historically a wonderful organization. Uh, one of the original Major League Baseball teams from way back in the old days. But right now, they can't even play because so many people in that organization have tested positive for COVID. And what it's really coming down to is they did not adhere to, they were, they were loose and goosey and goofy with protocols. So let's just, you know what, before I get to the albums here, Diane House says, so you're looking to take in more bobbleheads. Diane, if there's a bobblehead out there that needs a home, if there's a bobblehead that's lonely, if there's a bobblehead that's sad, if there's one that's blue, if there's one sitting collecting dust in a corner someplace, shoved into the ash bin of history, if it's sitting on a lonely shelf someplace in a secondhand store, you're damn right. Because sometimes you have to do things. You have to make sacrifices. And I will sacrifice 
space in his tiny office. I will sacrifice space in his tiny office to rescue bobbleheads. I truly will. Um, let's talk about music real quick because I only got a few minutes left, okay? Uh, we are uh, continuing our week of honoring uh, Jerry Garcia, who I consider to be uh, uh, the greatest guitarist of the modern rock era. And there could be a lot of arguments about that. Matter of fact, we're going to start next week a list of the 10 best guitarists of the uh, rock era. So pretty much covering from about 1965 to uh, sometime in the early 90s, uh, who are the greatest guitarists. I think Jerry Garcia was uh, the greatest uh, his, because uh, not only can he play the guitar, he can play the steel guitar, he can play the banjo, uh, he can play the mandolin, uh, a true virtuoso with uh, string instruments, string instruments, did stunning things with them, could play any type of music, and uh, play it. For a long time, the biggest selling uh, bluegrass album in history was one featuring Jerry Garcia and a guy named uh, Howard Grisman. Bluegrass music. You don't associate the Grateful Dead and Jerry Garcia with bluegrass, but Jerry Garcia started out as a bluegrass banjo picker, and damn was he good at it, and uh, I think it was called Old and in the Way, and it had sold the mo more, copy more copies than anything that Bill Monroe or Ricky Skaggs or anybody had done to that point. Uh, I think it's probably been surpassed since then. Uh, anyway, we have an album here by The Grateful Dead. This is from an odd period in their life. This is what's called Go to Heaven. Yeah, go to Heaven. And uh, the weird thing about most Grateful Dead albums uh, their live performances were always better than their studio albums. Their live albums were always better than their studio albums. In the canon of uh, 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 Grateful Dead uh, recordings, uh, they were th the studio albums are third on the list. But oftentimes, the studio albums are what then gave us uh, songs that then became part of the uh, living and breathing musical set they would play live. So this was during a period where a man named Brett Midlin was their keyboard player. Okay, at the time, the, Jerry, uh, the Grateful Dead consisted of Jerry Garcia, Brett Midlin, Bill Kurtzman, Bob Weir, Phil Lesh, and Mickey Hart. So three guys who had been with them from the very beginning, that being Jerry Garcia, Bill Kurtzman, and Phil Lesh. Then by their second album, they added the second drummer, Mickey Hart. And they then went through a series of keyboard players. First start, starting out with Rod McKernan and Pigpen. Uh, Pigpen was his nickname, who died at 27 of cirrhosis of the liver. There's a drinker for you. All right. Repeat, uh, replaced by uh, Keith Godchow, sadly and almost uncomfortably uh, being uh, replaced while he was still in the band. Uh, Pigpen could no longer keep up with the band. They needed another keyboard player, and they kind of relegated Pigpen to uh, occasional organ work and different uh, percussion instruments. And Keith was with the band. Keith left the band and then was replaced by uh, Brett Midland. And then Brett Midland was replaced by somebody uh, for the briefest periods of time, uh, I believe, from um, uh, the Tubes. So, uh, and you know what? And I'm blanking on the name. But this was during the Brett Midland area. They let Brett do a lot. By the way, uh, Tim Lawson says Earl Scruggs, Earl Scruggs was a war protester. Yes, he was. A lot of uh, liberalism... Uh, working class liberalism in bluegrass music because it came from working class people in uh, uh, the uh, hill country, in the Appalachian uh, hill country. People who were uh, downtrodden and treated as second class citizens not even because of the color of their skin, just because that's the way they were treated. On this album, Go to Heaven, okay, 
which came out in uh, 1980. All right. Uh, Far From Me was a Brett Midland tune that he sang. Um, then there's Althea that was a Garcia Hunter um, uh, composition. I'm going to tell you more about Althea in a moment. Um uh, Feel Like a Stranger, which was a weird Barlow uh, composition. Alabama Getaway, a Garcia Hunter composition, which pretty much is a, uh, a rock and roll song. Don't Ease Me In, which is a traditional tune. Easy to Love by uh, Brett Midland, and he sang lead on it. Lost Sailor, a Bob Weir song. And Say to Circumstance, a Bob Weir and Barlow song. By this time in the Dead's history, Jerry was uh, deep into his uh, serious drug addiction. At one point, the band actually thought about letting Jerry Garcia go from the Grateful Dead because he'd become such a mess and was playing so poorly. But then he'd straighten out for a while, and then he realized that as long as Jerry was around, there really was no Grateful Dead without Jerry. He was the heart and soul of the band. Um, no, it wasn't Althea so much. Uh, I was thinking about the song West L.A. Fade, Fade Away, which is like Althea. And I think Althea may have been about the uh, same person. Um... Uh, not on this album, but uh, a little story. There's a song called uh, West L.A. Fadeaway, and it has a line. And the line is, uh, Med no mistake down on the street today. And then uh, I need a hotel. Just uh, I don't want to. I just want it for an hour or two. And that song, and I believe Althea. I believe Althea. I could be corrected. But West L.A. Fadeaway and Sundown by Gordon Lightfoot were both about the same woman. The Grateful Dead wrote about her. Gordon Lightfoot wrote about her. John Belushi partied with her. She was the woman that was with John Belushi when he died during his, while he was speedballing, doing that mix that he loved of heroin and cocaine. Uh, the woman was eventually prosecuted and went to jail. I think she's passed away now, but she was the woman that every band knew when you hit L.A. And you know what? It was a small world for a lot of those bands. In the 60s and 70s, into the 80s, especially in the 60s and 70s, before the stadium, before the, well, the stadium started in the 70s. But uh, still in all, for many bands, you stayed on the Sunset Strip, you all played the same places, you all stayed at the same places. And all the hanger honors, all the fans, all the groupies, they all knew. And this woman was infamous as being the go-to woman for the best drugs in Los Angeles when you hit that town, you want to get high. Jerry Garcia wrote about her, Gordon Lightfoot wrote about her. Jan Belushi is part of his story is written because of her. Uh, anyway, if you're going to listen to a Grateful Dead album, if you want to try it an offbeat, uh, listen to Althea is a great tune on this. Alabama Getaway is uh, not one of their more original songs, but it is certainly a fun rave up. Uh, Don't Ease Me In is a really fun arrangement of that, uh, of that song. Uh, a lot of people like Lost Sailor say to, say to circumstances, I feel like a stranger. I'm not a big fan of those songs. Okay. When it came to the uh, two uh, songwriting teams, primary songwriting teams for the Grateful Dead, Jerry Garcia and Robert Hunter are uh, Bob Weir and uh, uh, John Barlow. Uh, I generally find that I am more in the camp of liking songs written by uh, Garcia and Hunter, although uh, Bob Weir uh, did write some great tunes uh, with uh, his uh, uh, writing partner, John Barlow. But you want to YouTube uh, Althea. And uh, don't ease me in. They're fun songs. How much time do I have left? I only have four minutes left. I don't know if I should even mention this next album in only four minutes. I'm going to hold it up. This is a cool album. History of Eric Clapton. Once again, keeping with the, um, uh, 
the tradition that when I was younger, and still for most of my life, that to buy single solo albums, two or three songs, was, uh, and that wasn't always the case. If you listen to an album like uh, Disraeli Gears, or you listen to most Beatles albums, uh, uh, Cream's Disraeli Gears, they were packed with nothing but good songs. But oftentimes, there were albums with one or two good songs, and the rest were, eh. And you're paying five, six, seven, eight dollars, a lot of money in those days. I remember when CDs hit $15, we all lost our minds. Um, it just seemed like a waste of money, but then you could get albums like this. Okay, this is a special two-record set put up by Atco, and here are the uh, songs you got on this double album. All right, this is an incredible amalgamation of some of the greatest tunes of the rock era. Okay, uh, I, uh, I Ain't Got You, uh, Hideaway, uh, this is all Clapton, um... Uh, and this is him with, uh, if I ain't got you, is him with uh, um, the Yardbirds. Hideaway, Eric Clapton with John Mayall. Tribute, tribute to Elmore with the Yardbirds. I Want to Know, okay, is with, uh, who's he with here? I think they're just solo. Sunshine of Your Love with Cream. Crossroads with Cream. Spoonful with Cream. Badge with Cream. Sea of Joy, okay, Sea of Joy with uh, 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 Blind Faith, uh, Only You Know and I Know with uh, Delaney and Bonnie and Friends, Don't Want to Discuss it with Delaney and Bonnie, uh, Teasing with Delaney and Bonnie, Blues Power with Delaney and Bonnie, and Side 4, once again, I'm trying to look here, Bobby Woodlock, Carl Radle, Jim Gordon, uh, Tell the Truth, which I believe was uh, um, uh, Derek and the Dominoes, Tell the Truth Jam, and, and Layla, Derek and the Dominoes. So here's the bands covered. It just gives you a really kind of a, a uh, really gives you perspective on uh, the power of Clapton and his work from the mid-60s all the way up till now. But started out, Start out with the Yardbirds with John Mayall, or with John Mayall, then the Yardbirds, then Cream, okay, then Blind Faith, then Delaney and Bonnie, and that's a period a lot of people forget about when he did some of his best guitar work. Um, and then on to uh, uh, Derek and the Dominoes. That's what's covered in this album, and this album ends like in the 70s, in the 70s. And I just mentioned what I think for many of us, if we can think about our top 10 favorite songs from the rock era, at least one of those songs makes it in. So uh, I'm going to recommend to you guys that you Google or YouTube Derek and the Domino, uh, not Derek and the Dominoes, Delaney and Bonnie and Friends. It was an incredible amalgamation of musicians. Large group, and it, Eric Clapton, Rita Coolidge, Leon Russell for a while uh, with uh, Delaney and Bonnie, a husband and wife team, Southern uh, boogie rock players that for a short period of time shined as the brightest light as the brightest star in the rock in the rock sky and their tunes that they did with him uh yeah only you know and i know i don't want to discuss it blues power okay check those out man check those out and you hear some ass kicking Rock music, some of the best that was ever made. All right, I got to go. I got to go. I got stuff to do. I got a class tonight at 6 o'clock, my advanced class. A lot of incredibly creative people are there. Some of them who you'll be able to see Friday when you tune into the Roast of Tony Visick. Tickets only 12 bucks live on Zoom. Go to ComedySchools.com to purchase tickets. 
All right, that's it. Oh, by the way, we're still raising money for the Maricopa Food Pantry for my birthday. We've raised close to $400 for these fine people. Uh, go on my page and click uh, uh, the donate button and donate money to those folks, okay? We'd love to get up well past $500. They do great work in our town. That's it. I'm going to go. I'll see you tomorrow. Bye-bye.